You've been accused of a crime you did not commit. It's impossible to prove your innocence. If you insist that you're innocent anyway, you'll likely be found guilty and executed. But if you confess, apologize, and implicate others for good measure, you'll go free. Do you give a false confession or risk a public hanging? This was the choice facing those accused of witchcraft in the village of Salem, Massachusetts, between February 1692 and May 1693. They were the victims of paranoia about the supernatural, misdirected religious fervor, and a justice system that valued repentance over truth. Salem was settled in 1626 by Puritans, a group of English Protestants. Life was strict and isolated for the people of Salem. Battles with their Native American neighbors and groups of French settlers were commonplace. People feared starvation and disease, and relations between villagers were strained. To make matters worse, 1692 brought one of the coldest winters on record. That winter, two cousins, nine-year-old Betty Paris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams, started behaving very strangely. A physician found nothing physically wrong, but diagnosed the girls as under an evil hand. Puritans believed that the devil wreaked havoc in the world through human agents, or witches, who blighted nature, conjured fiendish apparitions, and tormented children. As news swept through the village, the symptoms appeared to spread. Accounts described 12 so-called afflicted girls contorting their bodies, having fits and complaining of prickling skin. Four of the girls soon accused three local women of tormenting them. All three of the accused were considered outsiders in some way. On February 29th, the authorities arrested Sarah Good, a poor pregnant mother of a young daughter, Sarah Osborne, who had long been absent from church and was suing the family of one of her accusers, and Tituba, an enslaved woman in Betty Paris's home known by her first name only. Tituba denied harming the girls at first, but then she confessed to practicing witchcraft on the devil's orders and charged Good and Osborne with having forced her. Osborne and Good both maintained their innocence. Osborne died in prison, while Good's husband turned against her in court, testifying that she was a witch or would be one very quickly. Good's four-year-old daughter was imprisoned and eventually gave testimony against her mother. Meanwhile, Good gave birth in jail. Her baby died, and she was convicted and hanged shortly thereafter. Tituba was held in custody until May and then released. These three victims were just the beginning. As accusations multiplied, others, like Tituba, made false confession to save themselves. The authorities even reportedly told one accused witch that she would be hanged if she did not confess and freed if she did. They were not particularly interested in thoroughly investigating the charges. In keeping with their church's teachings, they preferred that the accused confessed, asked for forgiveness, and promised not to engage in more witchcraft. The court accepted all kinds of dubious evidence, including so-called spectral evidence, in which the girls began raving when supposedly touched by invisible ghosts. Complicating matters further, many of the jurors in the trials were relatives of the accusers, compromising their objectivity. Those who dared to speak out 
such as Judge Nathaniel Saltonstall, came under suspicion. By the spring of 1693, over a hundred people had been imprisoned, and 14 women and six men had been executed. By this time, accusations were starting to spread beyond Salem to neighboring communities, and even the most powerful figures were targets. When his own wife was accused, the governor of Massachusetts Colony suspended the trials. Sentences were amended, prisoners released, and arrests stopped. Some have speculated that the girls were suffering from hallucinations caused by fungus, or a condition that caused swelling of the brain. But ultimately, the reason for their behavior is unknown. What we do know is that adults accepted wild accusations by children as hard evidence. Today, the Salem Witch Trials remain a cautionary tale of the dangers of groupthink and scapegoating and the power of fear to manipulate human perception. Welcome to The Machine, everybody. I am your host, Mario, along with my co-hosts, Jeff Rowe and Lee. Journey with us into conspiracy theories and the unexplained. Hello and welcome back, everybody. I am here with my co-host, Jeff Rowe. What's up, Mario? How are you guys doing again? What's up, Jeff Rowe? We are doing fine, at least I hope we are all doing fine in this month of October, right? And that's why we're uh, tackling some of these lighter subject matters on, well, I don't know about lighter, if you want to talk about lighter, but it's not, uh, it's, we're going more into the unexplained rather than conspiracy, right? Right, yeah. We wanted to just lighten things up, like you said, uh, if you want to call it lighten, but just (laughs) a little bit more, uh, you know, Halloween-ish. With the month of October. Halloween-ish. So this episode, the Salem Witch Trials, and I'm sure we'll get into other stuff as well. Uh, Not just the Salem Witch Trials, but uh, definitely the Salem Witch Trials. So The Salem Witch Trials happened uh, between 1692 and 1693 in Salem, Massachusetts, where there were over 141 suspects of both women and men. A lot of people think it's just women, but it's not. It's both women and men. Right. Um, In these trials where 19 were executed by hanging. Um, So from what I understand, how this really started was there was uh, skepticism of whether or not there were some people, uh, you know, residents within the town of Salem, practicing the dark arts, the witchcraft, right? Right. Yeah, from what I understand is it was a young girl that brought up accusations and started having symptoms. Yeah, I I also heard of this. I, I heard that uh, there were claims that there were certain people within the town who were practicing you know, the witchcraft and causing... Um, demonic beings uh, sent by Satan himself and conjured into the, uh, the the embodiments of some of the young girls that lived in this town, right? So they were 
you know, like acting all sporadic and crawling around and making, you know, unearthly like noises. Right. Which scared the shit out of the townspeople. Right. I mean, we're talking about a group of people that were extremely religious and very devout. So anything out of the ordinary, they and they anything out of the ordinary where they couldn't explain it really unsettled the community. But we're also talking about a time where modern medicine, you know, it didn't. Well, that's why we call it modern medicine. You know, you're comparing modern medicine to a time like that, where if you had a fever and chills and maybe you were hallucinating a little bit because of. You started, you know, speaking, you know, out of term, you know, things that just didn't make sense to the people around you. It was your witch. Right. But very well, you could have just had a. Nothing more than a fever. You just couldn't put a, a sentence fever. together or, or, you know, anything along those lines. And what they really needed was Motrum. Yeah, Motrum. Yeah. <laughs> Something to bring that fever down, not an exorcism. What if it felt like you were being eaten by a shark? Ooh, but from the inside, like... Love them. Relief imminent. All pain personnel, please evacuate Tina's uterus. Motrin liquid gels. Relief from menstrual, migraine, and muscle pain. They started to find certain things that led them to believe that maybe there was some practicing of the dark arts. And if you didn't agree during those times with the type of religion that we hear of you know, like Christianity and things like that, it if it, it if you went any other way, it was the work of the devil. You were you were straying away from God. Right. I mean, basically, if you didn't agree with whatever the status quo of the church was or the community at at large, you were deemed a, a heretic or you were deemed, you know, to be possessed because you didn't go with the whatever it was that everybody else was agreeing to. They weren't the brightest of people in this small town, and I don't mean that to be mean, but there were times when, you know, certain... You know, women would come forward, you know, with some of the knowledge they would have in different areas, uh, maybe like mathematics being one. If it was something that was out of the ordinary for them, again, that was their go-to. You're a witch. Right. How do you know this? You're a witch. Well, because, you know, gravity's a son of a bitch. How do you know about gravity? Right. Yeah. It was, I mean, that's far-fetched, but it's an example. Right. No, yeah. The idea. Right, it's just basically anything that disrupt the apple cart, they had a hard time processing. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, I mean, I mentioned women and men, but it wasn't just women and men. It was their claims of children, right. infants even, um, animals. There were times they believed animals were possessed. Basically what it was was a mass hysteria event. You know, yes. very much like a mob mentality. Once this thing started, you know, in the community and, and once you have a scapegoat, people then, if they had any ill wills going on in their life, they're like, oh, yeah, that's what's happening to me, too. That has to be it. That's That makes sense, you know. And this hysteria starts, you know, building up. And then, you know, one thing after another, you know, it seemed like this entire community just started, you know, 
pitchforks and, and torches and they were just like hey listen this is what's going on it's not our fault you know uh this this is the, the ill will that's caused all of us all of this pain and they were just looking for people to blame rather than trying to really attack whatever was really going on at the time you know i wonder if we have really evolved that much since then because even today if there's something that we don't understand more often than not we we demonize it you know we we if if it's something that we you know it, it, we don't agree with and things that we see in our day-to-day life a lot of the times it's so what happens is, is we act no different than when we did back then well i mean 1692 we're talking what 328 years ago you know psychologically we haven't really evolved all that much but we do have motrin we do we do have motrin so that helps no um but no i I think it's a fascinating hypothesis or a fascinating um look back and into how something can get out of hand when discussing social issues and how easily a group of people can turn on themselves. Ooh. And it's, uh, you know, almost, we're not kind of trying to stray towards any uh, correlation to current events. But it is, you know, a canary in the coal mine. We have to be careful that we don't fall into those same trappings. Yeah, for sure. But it does definitely seem like we are falling into those same trappings in certain ways for sure oh yeah absolutely and you know what's interesting is uh in recent years there's been some really good science about what possibly could have explained these witch trials and and i asked you earlier um off off the podcast if you had ever heard of ergot right you were talking about ergot right do you know what ergot is I don't, or I didn't at the time before you elaborated on that, but uh, I'm sure our listeners would like to know. Okay. Um, The dictionary definition of ergot is a fungal disease of rye and other cereals in which black elongated fruiting bodies grow in the ears of the cereals. So, um, and eating contaminated food can result in ergotism ergotism and what it is is that there's a hypothesis that was presented in 1972 where somebody had postulated that what possibly was going on was ergot was prime with the environment that was going on at the time really wet season really rainy season the the high probability of mildew growing on the cereals that they were growing in the area which would have affected their their bread and and their food source. Which makes sense. I mean, we really didn't have preservation of food until, you know, the Industrial Revolution came around and we found ways to, you know, keep our food fresh. I mean, up until then, you know, you're you're at the local market or whatever and you're you're searching through a lot of rotten fruit to find a piece of fruit that had been sitting in rotten fruit, maybe. And different things like that. I, 
the food industry has just changed so much since the uh, the industrial revolution, and we got, you know, we're, we're talking before electricity, so obviously there's no refrigerators either. Right. No. Exactly. And and so like, here's the medical definition of ergotism. It's a condition that develops from long-term exposure to ergot substances produced due to fungal contamination of grains. Okay. What ergotism does is it constricts blood vessels, causes the muscles of the uterus to contract. They also cause migraines, hallucinations, gangrene, burning sensation pain. All of these symptoms were the exact symptoms that the townspeople were claiming that they were experiencing when making these accusations against these other people. And, And what's interesting is if you go back and you study any bit of the Salem witch trials, the majority of the people who they claimed were the witches were the people that weren't highly looked upon in the communities. They were the people that lived on the outskirts. Yeah. Okay. And so they were easy targets. You know, they were, you know, the lady that lived out in the woods by herself or, you know, people who they thought weren't real religious or, you know, didn't always attend church, you know. So they they first went after the easy targets, right? And if you have a community that has been exposed to a fungus, right, that causes hallucinations and everything, I mean, any suggestive, you know, any anything that you might suggest. We're talking about, like, some shitty magic mushrooms here. Right, right, you know. And think about being completely off your rocker and all of a sudden you've got you know things feeling like they're crawling underneath your skin or these you know boils or these pains and, and prior to this you didn't have these experiences how how at that time in a religious community are you going to try to explain those events oh well you're being attacked you know demonically you're being attacked so you know this hypothesis that has come up recently has been given a lot of validity by the scientific community thinking, hey, listen, maybe this community was completely, you know, high because elements <laughs> of the, the fungus actually have uh, the same elements of LSD. Yeah. They so, cause a hallucinate. It's a hallucinate. Well, it's it's the actual derivative. Uh, I'm, I forget it, the chemical, but the chemical starts with an L. Lucernodin, whatever. I, I don't, yeah. don't know what it is. But... Think about a religious community and their only scope of explaining things away. You give that group, you give that group, you know, you know, primitive form of LSD that causes hallucinations and and everything else, and then you psychologically implement, you know, the the mob mentality of coming up with an explanation and just going with it. I mean, there the people who were on the fringes that lived in these communities were really in a lot of danger because it was just it became something where once one accusation was made, and these accusations are so that there's no way you could defend these accusations. Like I call you a witch. How are you going to defend the fact that I'm calling you a oh, witch? Oh yeah. How, how are you going to prove you're not a witch? I mean, that's like calling somebody a racist today, right? Hmm. Imagine that. Imagine that. You have no. no. You can't come back from that once you no. once you're deemed a racist. The in these 
times, you know, and you don't have to be a racist. You you could say something that maybe somebody else took a complete, you know, different way. Like, like I said so many times before, and not to get political, but the PC culture has just destroyed the American culture. Right, and the PC culture then was the community decided it was if you were a witch, culture. if you were if you were a witch, there was no way to come back from it. Yeah. Once you were deemed a witch. Once you were deemed yeah. a witch. Which is why I, I used... There the, was no defense. I used the analogy about, you know, a female knowing, you know, because back then females were, weren't allowed to venture out and do as many things as, you know, obviously as they are today. It was a male-dominated culture. It was a male-dominated culture for sure. But the first time a, a, a female come forward with saying, you know, something to the contrary of anything else that a man had brought to the table... Bam, she was a witch. Right? Right, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, women weren't allowed to be free thinkers. You know, they, you know, knowledge was frowned upon for women. You know, it was men who disseminated the information. It was men who read, you know, it was men who were the leaders of the community. Women at that time had their place, and, you know, it wasn't to be an educated person. And the second a woman became educated whether it was through nature or, or books, they wanted to know why she felt <laughs> she had the right to do that. You know, it was it was a very uh, oppressing sort of culture at that time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, you know, you fast forward to the future, and now they're allowed to drive, too. I mean, this is crazy. From now on, I, too, will be abstinent. I'll be as untouched as the turn signal in an Asian woman's car. How much signal I need to cut across eight lane? None? I turn now. Good luck, everybody else. It was a joke, everybody. Calm down. (laughs) Calm down. Anybody who hears it thinks I'm a sexist person. I'm not. It was a joke. Get the fuck over yourself. Again. No. And we're trying to paint a picture as to the type of environment that this stuff breeds in. And and again, you know, we've got to be stewards of the past i mean we have to understand the things that happened in the past you know if we're not careful we're going to repeat them you know those who forget history are doomed to repeat it and this almost like mentality almost like these stories you know they should exist right so that we can you know learn from them you know it would make no sense to take them down and destroy them and what's interesting is Something else that's interesting about the witch trials, it started out where they were accusing these people on the fringes of the community. Mm-hmm. But what actually ended up happening was later on, further into the year, it actually became uh, almost a political grab where people were accusing neighbors and doing land grabs. Uh, yeah, see. <laughs> so they were, you know, if you had a neighbor that you were, you know, you thought they had better grazing land. You know, all it took was a simple accusation. Oh, you know, my neighbor, you know, he, he's practicing witchcraft. All of a sudden, they're accused. They can't defend themselves. And it just so happens, all of a sudden, your acreage increased double-fold, you know. And it's, you know, it's, it's I don't want to say it's parallel to today, but these, uh, anytime there's a crisis, don't let it go to waste. Yeah, I wonder if I could do that with my neighbors. <laughs> I wonder if I could scream pedophilia or something like that. You have to feed them some ergot. 
yeah, feed them some ergot, or just you know have influence one of their children enough to make them go speak to the authorities so that they lose their home. That's horrible. I would never do that. <laughs> no, it's not funny, but it's funny. It's it's. But we know what you're. It's, we know it's, what it's we're sad, about. right? It's sad it that is. the community is. It is can be so manipulated. Oh wait, we're going back down the manipulation train. Um, the point we're trying to get across is there were eighteen or nineteen people. Was it eighteen or nineteen, uh, 19 people hung? Nineteen people hung, lost their life, lost their lives for yes. no reason whatsoever. Just because we didn't have any Motrin, because <laughs> we had no Motrin. All of which could have been a cure, right? If Maybe. Motrin would have been around. Of Motrin course, is not a sponsor of the podcast, by It the is way. not a sponsor of the podcast. And I'm, you know what? I'm, if you're taking some shrooms out there, I'm not quite sure it's going to bring you down from your high either. So don't think that your <laughs> Motrin is not. But no, yeah. You know, when it, got, when it comes to the Salem Witch Trials, um, it, it was a, a travesty in our early history. And it, it just goes to mass hysteria. It goes to... Um, so it's, now the it's so popular and even now even even today it's still popular the the story of the Salem witch trials oh because it it seems like there's an essence to the story um of just the sadness so it it seems to it's something that we can relate to as i mean you know, we get the term witch hunt from yeah. the Salem witch trials right, right? yeah so when when you know, our presidents used it many times. So this is, right. but we hear it a lot. Whenever you feel like you're being attacked, that's the term it's used. This is a witch hunt, right? Well, not only that, a witch hunt without validity, and a witch hunt is also something that you can't defend yourself against. Yeah, because you can't. Oh, I'm not a witch. Well, how are you going to prove it? Well, how can I prove I'm not a witch? Without doing something that seems like it might be witchcraft. Again, we're doing no different these days, and I would say by calling somebody a racist. I'm just, I keep going back to that, I know, but it's, no, seriously. It's an easy, it it's an easy comparison, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's an easy dismissive. You can, you can accuse anybody of anything without evidence, and if you don't have to have evidence... Then you can get away with it. it's. It's nothing. It's, it's no different than going back to the social uh, dilemma that you guys talked about a few podcasts back. If you have an internet, yeah, few podcasts. Yeah, you have an internet troll, and you have anonymity. You can say whatever you want without any consequences. Well, there are more keyboard warriors these days than we've ever seen. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so it, it's like you said. It seems like. At least from that single event in our history, we haven't learned much from it, unfortunately. No, because, I mean, if you fast forward from, you know, was that 1692, 1693 to here we are, 2020, we're we're still kind of doing the same thing here, are we not? Unfortunately, I think there are aspects of it. Absolutely. With the PC culture. And like I said, calling people a racist, you've immediately demonized that person, even if, even if they they really aren't racist. Maybe they said something that you, as a person, felt was racist, 
that doesn't necessarily make them a racist. If I say something that uh, it was an observation, and maybe it's even a true observation, but it happens to be a stereotype, that doesn't make me a racist. That's an observation. May happen to be a stereotype, but if it's true, it's true. Right. Correct? Well, psychologically, people are comfortable with conformity. If you don't conform to the group's thought process, then you're a threat to that conformity. So anybody who goes against the grain is deemed a threat. We don't take outsiders. We don't take outsiders. Isn't that kind of what they did during the Salem witch trials in religion? Oh, absolutely. So one could say that we've kind of turned the tables on that. But we're doing the same thing still. Yeah. It's just, it's an interesting dichotomy whenever you look at it. Um, but but going even further into that, we, you know, trying to keep it light. And uh, <laughs> even though it keeps bringing us back. It all ties together, man. It's hard to do. It does. Um, but now, if you want to go ahead and you take a moment and step back to that area, people nowadays talk about how haunted and how sad that area is. Well, we go to our previous podcast. You have an event that was so emotionally driven, not only by those accused, but by those who were accusing them. You have all this senseless death. Does that leave an imprint in the atmosphere? Yeah, sure. Why not? I so, would think it would. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, you know... Are some of these hauntings that we experience nowadays, you know, echoes from the past, you know, for the lack of a better term. You know, whether it's in your community or your home or your house or, you know, your land, wherever that might be. Or if it's in an entire town, you know, uh, you know, some say that the city of Salem, Massachusetts is cursed. Well, is it cursed or is it just not able to get over the pain and suffering that it suffered that it you know portrayed against you know the, the citizens of the past yeah definitely i think the feeling the emotion in that you know the city of salem is first first and foremost because of the salem witch trials that's already a dark imprint from the past so i mean when we talk about salem massachusetts they could have one of the best breweries in the world but the only thing that's going to stand out about them is that dark past the salem witch trials is how they're identified unfortunately yeah absolutely and it, it leaves a uh it leaves a smear on on the town or city or I don't even know how big it is anymore, but for sure. No. And I, I think, I think I saw some recent reports that they're actually kind of leaning into that and they have, uh, actually welcomed, you know, some aspects of, you know, the old Wiccan sort of religion and well, they've, they've got like fortune tellers and things like that. And it's, it's somewhat become, um, uh, they've tried to, you know, turn the narrative. I would say, and you're right. I mean, that's exactly how, you know, if, if, if I have that power to move forward 
instead of denying it you instead of denying your history and denying your past own it right and that's forward with it you know bring it you know almost like you know we as a nation if we had uh you know if we were you know split or maybe had a civil war and we had you know an ugly past of you know maybe when we enslaved other people and we had a history there rather than just you know tearing down you know certain aspects of it maybe you know keep it in a museum or something oh wait a minute is this happening (laughs) it might be it might be happening i don't know i understand I, i i get how a past could could hurt you know as a nation as a town as a city whatever but as you to your point earlier if we forget our past we're doomed to repeat it oh yeah absolutely so own it own it right and that, and like i said that's what they are doing you know they they have psychics on main street and you know they mm-hmm. they do tours of the the cemeteries and they say you know you know they try to remember the names of the victims and say this is where they're buried and you know they try to talk about how hey listen this was a, an event of mass hysteria so they try you know the city itself is trying to turn the narrative from what i saw on the specials on the few specials that i saw so that's what they're doing as a community and again maybe that can be a model for a larger scale where <laughs> what you're talking about when we're talking about not forgetting our history you know I love history. I think, uh, you know, definitely something that people need to realize is not all history is going to be good. I mean, especially, you know, with the lack of knowledge that we had moving forward. And you could, let's fast forward another, I don't know, we'll say 300 years if, you know, we're still here and say, they could look back on the things that we're doing now and say, hey, listen, not all history is good. Let's right. remember the mistakes we made so that we don't make those same mistakes. Yeah, you would hope that that lesson would be learned. Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, I mean like right now in the modern times, it feels like we're doing everything we can to wipe out an ugly history, which is not the answer in my mind. No, I agree. I don't think it's to wipe anything out. Um, no matter no matter how many moles you have, it's still part of you. Yeah. Own it. Yeah. Own that mole. Go to a dermatologist. <laughs> but you yeah, have just, to realize you have a problem and admit that you have a problem before you go to the dermatologist, right? Yeah, well, I mean, if it's a problem, it's a problem. I mean, I don't know. I guess uh, comparing it to a mole is kind of like... Uh, you know, a mole could also be a beauty mark. I don't right. think anybody would look at some of the stuff that we're talking about no. as beauty marks, but I'm no, but adventuring. it's it's a scar. And the question it is, the question going back to the paranormal is, was that a scar? Was it a residual scar? Right. And does did that scar cause, you know, some sort of shift in the, you know, frequency of of the area in and is there is that the reason why it's it's more haunted than some other areas because there's a lot of places in new england that have a lot of 
history, you know, because that's where we're, that's where the Europeans first settled. Oh, hey, this, so that's how, and that's where this country became a country too, right? So, I mean, and this is interesting that I have this discussion uh, sometimes when we're talking about paranormal. The mm. one thing I think is interesting that you guys might want to postulate is this: no matter where you live in this world, in this world period, even in this country. There have been so many lives and deaths where you live. So the idea that an area couldn't be haunted. If if you believe an area is haunted because of a previous death. The chances are, no matter where you're at, someone's died there. Sure. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, is there is there a recording? Is it, Do we all have interactions with spirits do we all have interactions with ghosts and we just we don't we, we can't perceive them well i'm one of those skeptical people i mean i don't i'm not trying to be dismissive but at the same time i look for a logical reason any logical reason before i jump up and go it was a ghost or it was a spirit or whatever my house where we're recording right now um I live in an older town, right? Okay, yep. A lot of this, a lot of the places in town here were, you know, built in the 1800s. My house was built in 1910. This is an older home. But one of the appeals was the look of the hardwood, that the original hard, hardwood that's still in this house. I haven't myself witnessed anything in this home. Um, my children have from time to time. They've said something and then, you know, dad just looks at him and says, yeah, it's probably nothing. Don't worry about it. Something did happen the other day when I went to grab my, uh, my bedroom door by the door handle and I went to close it. Right. I felt. It felt like somebody pushed the door close rather than me pulling it. And I could feel it on my hand. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What? And I opened the door to see who was on the other side. Nobody there. It was weird. Hmm. But then I thought, well, there's got to be a logical explanation for this. Maybe I left a window open in a living room or something. And a gust of wind had come in, you know, put a little more force on it. And, you know, the vacuum effect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No windows. But I'm not freaked out. It's going to take a lot more than that to freak me out. Well, with every little bump of the night, it's going to freak you out. You're never yeah, going to no, sleep. And exactly. And for the most part, I am the bump in the night. It's you oh, know okay. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's yeah. It's it, it's the ghosts and the apparitions that need to be afraid of me. Okay. Right. And maybe they are. Who knows? Or maybe they just can't manifest on this plane. It better not manifest in this house. It's my house. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Something creepy is going to happen tonight, is it? <laughs> um, I hope not. Um, anyway, I think we're like veering off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Salem Witch Trials. I don't know. I, I don't have a whole lot more going into the Salem Witch Trials besides just that. I mean, other than, you know, the cultural movement. There are movies, you know. Uh, I believe there's a movie called Salem. I know there's a uh, series show called Salem. 
Um, actually, Marilyn Manson, the music artist, was a part of that series show as well. Um, one of the, one of the other uh, TV shows, uh, not TV shows, uh, movies. It's a cultural classic. It's a big Disney movie. I don't know if you've ever heard of Hocus Pocus. I've heard of Hocus Pocus. Yeah. 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 Uh, who was that? Bette Midler, uh, Ricky Lake, and I think Sarah Jessica Parker were in that movie. I'm not sure. It's been a while since I've seen that. Yeah, it was like like 92 or something. Right. Like that. It was an early 90s movie, but it's uh, it's got the cult following for it. That was one of the things they were from that era. Also, it was from the uh, Salem. Well, it's an easy, yeah, it's an easy landmark. Anytime yeah. you see movies or books nowadays, they kind of they kind of use that as the origin, the origin city. <laughs> Which again, it it's almost like well, I get what you're doing. I get what you're you know, the angle you're going for using the Salem witch trials. But do you really understand how dark this is, and you're presenting it to children? Yeah, I mean that's a good point. It makes <laughs> you wonder why they would do that. Well, it's yeah, it's it's popular. Anytime something's popular, no matter how dark it is, it can be used. Oh, you mean sort of like lynching your own citizens and hanging them because you thought they were witches? Yeah, exactly. Very good <laughs> point, my friend. Yes, be be careful again about being automatons and just following popular culture. You know, you don't want to fall into the the trap. Of just following the status quo, you know, keep asking questions because if you don't, you're gonna easily conform and and you're gonna be in danger of just becoming part of the mob rather than being an individual. You know, Jeffrey, we're talking about places that uh, have had these instances where these happenings occur and different places all around the world. And one of the things that come to mind uh, for being, for having a history of just crazy things happening would be Skinwalker Ranch. Are you familiar with Skinwalker Ranch? Um, I'm slightly familiar with it, yeah. Uh, Again, we're going from what seems to be one cursed area to another cursed region, trying to follow up the, the theme of the paranormal here. Yeah, and that's 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 kind of where we're going. And you're absolutely right that it's the paranormal because Skinwalker Ranch. There are so many different uh, angles you could take there, not just with like you know ghosts or you know different beings or, or something like that. Because you know now we gotta get we gotta start talking about you know portals and ufos and things like that with skinwalker ranch as well yeah skinwalker ranch i mean they've got they've had experiences with uh cryptids like bigfoot and dogman they've had issues with um lights just like balls light you know ball light ball lightning or or just plasma balls uh they've had issues with all kinds of stuff like you're saying ufos um they've had issues with Ghosts, ghosts almost seem to be, you know, the low part of the totem pole when you talk about Skinwalker Ranch. And uh, from what I understand, what it is is, 
uh, Skinwalker Ranch was an area where is it the Utes? I, I know they're in U- Utah. Yeah, it's Ballard, Utah. It's like uh, so far away from Ballard, Utah. There's like a so. I mean, it's it's a vast area. I think it was like 517 acres or something like that. Very large area. This ranch is. There's a big ridge over the side of it as well. That that kind of hangs over the side of it. Uh, it was Skinwalker Ranch, and one of the things that they they do show now is on history. There's a series show where they're they're doing experiments and different things, which I watch it because it's fun to watch. But at the same time, you've got to be, you know, you've you've got to be critical of some of these TV shows because a lot of the times, you know, just like ghost hunters, they'll make something happen to sell you a story, right? Well, no, they got to, they got to have a narrative when it comes to TV shows. They've got 30 minutes to fill or 60 minutes to fill and they've got to have a a string through their storyline, right? They've got to have cliffhangers before commercials to have you come back. So yeah, they sometimes, uh, instead of just reporting the truth, sometimes they, alter it or they add to it or they with music and and environment sort of try to create drama so they do have to you know as a tv show i do understand that you know they got to do what fits the tv show but there's a reason why uh, they wanted to do a tv show about it and that's what we're talking about here um so a lot of this uh, believed to be started between uh, two tribes, two Native American tribes, uh, the Navajo and the Ute tribes. And it says here the Navajo and the Ute tribes met near the area of Skinwalker Ranch and the relationship was instantly full of conflict and hate. The Navajo, the Navajo being a very violent and aggressive tribe at this time, of the instance they enslaved many of the Ute tribe. The Utes having hated the Navajo tribe for enslaving their people for so long, eventually placed a curse over the land, which is now called Skinwalker Ranch. In fact, the Utes put a curse on the land that supposedly caused skinwalkers to begin to inhabit the area. But what is a skinwalker? A skinwalker is a type of evil, which that is a part of the Navajo culture. The skinwalker is a mythical beast used in many Navajo folklore that is known for its ability to take the form of any animal. This creature is best described as a shapeshifter. So that's where a lot of that legend comes from. Um, at the same time, when... If you're watching the show, if anybody's ever seen this show, one of the things that they brought uh, to the attention that I thought was really cool, well, maybe not cool, but interesting, was how not not too far away they they did the uh, the atomic bomb testing. Interesting, right? And how the winds would move toward this Skinwalker Ranch and carry radiation with it more so than that whenever you just stated that something popped in my mind you said the radiation you said the the nuclear test yes happened close by 
and we're talking a desert about a desert area, right? Mm-hmm. What does high heat create when impacting with sand? Mm. Crystals, like a quartz, like a quartz or a glass. Yeah, that is very interesting. Hmm. And one of the things is it sits, like I said, it sits below a ridge, where you know if. If this radiation were to come in, it would hit this ridge. And almost create a bowl. A bowl, exactly. Hmm. So what we're basically talking about is another area, again, like Salem, Mm -hmm. that is inundated with hate and fear and death. Which basically creates this, this supernatural soup of anxiety and angst. You create, you put a little bit of, you mix that up with a little bit of radiation and mythology and enough psychological intent. Like, you know, you're talking about the Utes, you know, and and we've talked about how powerful latent energy is in in the human cells. I mean, are we talking about, you know, the perfect ingredients of an area that might be infested with negative entities? You know what? And even uh, to add to that, it was an area that was purchased. Oh, boy. What was it? It was like the 80s or 90s or something. Robert Bigelow, uh, CEO of Virgin Airlines, who has been known to dabble into uh, unidentified flying objects and uh, wormholes and things like that, you know, kind of off the cuff thinking. Right. You know? Uh, he developed a team who was deathly afraid of this place. Well, he actually purchased. Yeah, well, yeah, he purchased. Skinwalker Ranch. Right, he purchased. And is so, you know, you hear about, uh, you know, as you're told growing up or whatever, you don't poke the bear, right? Right. Don't poke the bear. So what's he do? He develops a team to poke the bear. And they did that. And the team, from what I understand, he's had people quit. He's had people... You know, just walk, you know, right away from their jobs. I mean, we're talking about the livelihoods of of families here that people just say, you know what? No, I want nothing to do with this. Because what one of the things that intrigued him the most was the fact that there were not just different types of anomalies happening, but also extraterrestrial type of anomalies happening where they would see almost like, they would call it a wormhole out of the sky. And you could see uh, an unidentified flying object or a UFO or whatever the hell we're calling UAP. it. These, UAP. Yeah, it, it, it's creeping out of this hole. This thing in thin air up up, up in, you know, in the sky. And, and they got footage of this stuff. It's crazy. I don't know if it's... Uh, Doctored or doctored or whatever, but it's it's definitely interesting. What's also interesting is you talk about the radiation in the area. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you know some of the speculation out there about UFOs being actually rather rather than being interplanetary. What if they're interdimensional? And what if something like radiation thins the veil between a plane? See you beat me to it that's where i was going very nice you know what that just means i'm i'm saying something correctly right no no, absolutely uh but yeah that's my thoughts exactly and 
another thing that they're having there that they coincides with you know extraterrestrials or you know the 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 different happenings or incidents of such is the animal mutilation with the they've had cattle right right that has that have had perfect i mean just perfect symmetrical circles their eyes have been removed with no blood no blood on the ground no blood anywhere no blood the blood had been drained right hmm. so the blood is not present they've got these perfect circles out of these mutilations that they just cannot explain and one of the things that I did see in one of the episodes where they they actually found uh, dead cattle. They were trying to uh, find out what happened. So the herd moves, right, to an area they'd never moved before. So something spooked the herd. Uh, one one cattle or one cow get, goes to get up and try to move with the herd. Doesn't make it. Collapses. Falls. At the same time, they catch an unidentified object in the sky above it, hmm. which was weird. Right. I'm not saying something like this can't be doctored for the TV show. Right. And it, cause it most certainly can, but there's a reason that the interest is there in the first place. No, right. They didn't just, they didn't pick this place and say, okay, this is going to be our movie set. This is going to be right. where we're going right. to start something. This, this area has had, Obviously, you're talking about the Utes and the Navajo, you know, hundreds of years of history, negative history attributed to it. And again, you know, I don't know, you know, it, it's so fascinating. It's hard to really kind of grasp, grasp it. But if something like that is going on there, you've got folks, people, you've got people who have lived there all their lives conveying these messages you know to outside world that's why you know you get books written about it i believe the first national attention was driven up by a reporter by the name of george knapp out of the las vegas area is that accurate i believe it was george knapp who brought major attention to the area which if you guys remember george knapp is also the reporter from las vegas that brought national attention to the UFO subject. George, was it George Knapp? Yeah, George Knapp. About? Yeah, you know, he, he came to prominence, you know, on, on a national view whenever he first interviewed Bob Lazar, which was the gentleman that came out about the S4 plant over in Area 51. So he, he's a really well-known investigative journalist. Um, it was in 1996 that there were claims about the ranch that first became nationally known at the Salt Lake City, um, Utah paper called the Desert, New Desert News. And later, in an alternative weekly, the Las Vegas Mercury, which is where George Knapp worked. Uh, he created uh, some early articles about it. And anytime George Knapp, at that point, you know, we're talking 1996, put his, attached his name to anything sort of off the beaten path like paranormal or, or UFO related, it was going to get attention because of his previous interactions with Bob Lazar. But, uh, yeah, you know, this goes into us speculating on, on some of this paranormal stuff and, 
some of these things with like the Salem Witch Trials earlier, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I'm a little bit more of a believer than maybe you are, but the thing is, there's a lot of bits and pieces, you know, that kind of fit together and the narrative as sort of, it's, it's related and it seems that anytime you go to a haunted place, anytime you go to these places that have this impending doom, the correlation seems to be pain and fear and sadness. Mm. Right? So. Yeah, nobody ever says I was haunted by a ghost who was having a party. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe we can, if nothing else, as a community, try to learn from these and try to be more positive people and try to do our best and, and not, you know, be so judgmental amongst, you know, judgmental against each other. Yeah, because, and again, it's an energy that's being emitted. Exactly. Interesting. You know, again, if if you guys are interested, maybe look into Kirlin photography, something I uh, briefly referenced in the previous podcast. It's very interesting photography. Almost like we create our own uh, reality as well, huh? Like, possibly? Psychology actually leads to you to believe that we do create our own reality yeah and maybe we're just creating a lot of these anomalies ourselves i don't know speculation truth it's all a mystery and that's what we like about it on that note until then until then mario until then